Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Unleashed with Eva. Today, we have a very special guest. She's in ministry. She is an author. And I've come to know her through some women's dialogues, Reverend Dr. Mitzi Smith had done um, over the course of the pandemic. And we were on a couple of those panels together. And I've been following her on social media. And with my love for social justice and watching the work that she does around food security, I just wanted to introduce her to you all. Her name is Reverend Yvette Lavalle, and I'm so happy that she's here today. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Reverend Eva. How are you? So good. So good. So could you tell our listeners who you are in your own words? Yes. So I am Reverend Yvette Blair Lavalle. I like to tell the story of how I came to be named Yvette and not Yvette, because when my parents named me, they believed that I was going to be a prophetic voice and that I was going to have something to say. And so they said, the why is not silent. Yes. <laughs> so my mother um, was a part of the Black Panthers during the 1960s and 1970s. So really activism has always been a part of my DNA. Our living room was always a place of social justice organizing. We were always involved in something in the community. So I was reared in that way that I had a responsibility to stand up and to say something when I saw anything that was happening. And so even as a child in elementary school, like I was that person, people knew that if something was going on, they could turn to YVET and YVET would be the one who would stand up for them and would be that voice for them. And so in my adult years, you know, I've, I've done the same thing. I am doing the same thing. I am a full-time pastor. I serve at First Christian Methodist Church here in Dallas, Texas, wonderful congregation. I am also a D-men candidate now because I'm nearing the end of my program Woohoo! Yes. <laughs> at Memphis Theological Seminary. My focus is on land, food, and faith formation, and particularly looking at the intersection of food insecurity, food apartheid with Black, Brown, and Indigenous peoples, and how it also affects in terms of displacement and gentrification and eviction from the land because those things are always interrelated. And so um, in addition to that, I am a writer. So I do write, I edit, and um, I'm just, you know, I'm just out here trying to do this justice work in, in whatever circle I find myself in. And like you said, when you and I met on the womanist dialogues that Dr. Mitzi J. Smith um, hosted over this pandemic time, again, it was just another opportunity to talk about some of the social injustices, you know, that we were all seeing and then just looking at it through the lens of a, of a womanist theologian. So that's just kind of me in a nutshell. Awesome. Awesome. So before we get going, I want you to tell our listeners how they can find you, um, website, social media, wherever they can get in contact with you, how they can find your book. Yes, so my website is yvetteblair.com, Y-V-E-T-T-E, Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. And you can actually order the book, Being Ruth, Pressing Through Life Struggles with Fearless Faith, right there on the website. You can also find me on Instagram at preachergirl716. And then I am on Twitter at yvetteblair. Awesome. Yeah, I went and found you on Instagram. So I'm an Instagram girl. So you guys, if you're on social media, look her up, look up her website. 
and you're going to want to get your hands on her book. I have a copy of it. I'm just going to share a picture of an image of it today, Being Ruth. So it's a, it's a great read. You should get it. So there's a lot of things we could talk about from food security to gentrification to ministry, clergy, being a pastor. Today, I want to talk to you about three different things. I want to talk about your life's purpose, your book, and there's a new segment I have called The Well. And that's really dealing with how we stay connected to our source, stay connected okay. to God. And so first, I want to toss out a question or a statement to you. And I just want you to respond with what comes to your mind. You were created with purpose in mind. You were created with purpose in mind. Yes, yes. I have been created with purpose in mind. And I believe that God created me to be a prophetic voice. So I think that um, one of the gifts that God has given me is, um, is, is a gift as a writer and a gift as a speaker. And so I believe that God created me to be able to share in a way that brings hope to people in a way that helps people to deepen their relationship with God and in a way that helps them to understand that, yes, there are going to be some bad days, but better is always there. And it's just a matter of having somebody there to encourage you and to help you to get to that better. So that's that's what I believe and have believed all these years that that's what my purpose is. Love it. Love it. Love it. And so one of the illustrations I like to use is that, you know, we get breadcrumbs in life along the way that help us connect to our purpose as it unfolds um, in our life in different ways. And so I consider that our life events, um, our gifts, our passions. So those are three breadcrumbs that I like to talk about. And so did you have any breadcrumbs or events or things that stood out along your journey that helped you connect the dot to understanding who you were and why you were here? That's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, as, as, as early as six years old, I started writing. I loved writing. And let me say that I'm the youngest of five and my next nearest sibling is seven years older than I am. Wow. So when you got that kind of age difference, it almost feels like you're an only child, you know, when you're growing up. But writing was the thing that I found, literally found my voice and found that I could make change as a writer and actually started doing some writing in elementary school, was one of the persons that one of the students, when the teachers were deciding, you know, it's time for us to try and do a newsletter at the school. And so I did that. And by the time I got to high school, there were so many things that were happening in Dallas. We were at a time when students were starting to find their voice and wanted to talk about, you know, what are some of the things that are happening and how do we find a way that we can channel that. And along the way of what I look back now and see the breadcrumb and like to call it the sidewalk ministry. Mm. The sidewalk ministry is when you are out there you know, playing with other kids, you are out there, you know, on the, on the playground at school or even in high school when you are, you know, having that moment after um, lunchtime when people would gather, that's the sidewalk ministry. Yes. That's where you get a chance to have those kinds of conversations to find out what's on people's hearts. And I was always the kind of person that would listen 
to what was happening and then think, what is it that I can do to, to, to help and to affect change? So that's, that's where I really see that breadcrumb. And so that breadcrumb for writing is then what led me to getting a degree in journalism for my undergraduate degree. And I had no idea that God was preparing me for a life of writing. Because, you know, obviously, even in ministry, you got to write a sermon every week. Right. So writing is so key for me. And those are the breadcrumbs that I saw along the way. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I think I was reading your introduction where you said as early as seven years old. Yeah. You this call on your life. Can you just speak about that a little bit? I did. So I was a little kid sitting on the pew at Lee Chapel AME Church in Dallas. And I would listen to the pastor tell these stories and or you know, sermon illustrations. And I remember like it was yesterday that there was an illustration that the pastor gave about when Jesus was baptized. And something about that just really resonated with me. And I tell you, I came back home got all my little stuffed animals out, set them up and tried to recreate <laughs> that same illustration. And it was like in that moment, it felt natural and it felt like this sense of longing and wanted to do it again, you know, the next Sunday, the next Sunday. So that's, that's kind of how I knew, even as a little kid, that God was calling me to something greater beyond myself. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and that that's beautiful. When I read that, I was like, seven? Yes, seven. Um, <laughs> but okay, so I want to shift. I want to shift a little bit. I want to shift to your book, um, which, okay. which really has caught my attention. Um, I think we have been social media friends for a few months before I realized that you had written a book. And I, I love getting my hands on books written by Black women, but especially by Black women clergy. And so um, being Ruth, pressing through life's struggles with fearless faith. Yes. So just the title itself um, and it being Ruth, you wrote this, well, this was published in 2017. Anything in particular led you to Ruth out of all of the stories of women in the Bible? What led you to Ruth? You know, Ruth has always been one of those stories that I really loved. And when my mother was still alive, it was one of the stories that she and I would always read together. And I think it was just because of, of, of the relationship, even though, you know, Ruth and Naomi, obviously, you know, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, but just that relationship and just seeing about everything that happens in such a short span of time, you know, Ruth is only four chapters, but there is a lot that happens that we get to see in the life of two women. And so there was really no other story that resonated with me in, in that way. And when I thought about everything that Ruth went through, her struggles, I was like, a lot of us in many ways are Ruth. Mm -hmm. And we've had our being Ruth moments and having to press through you know, life's struggles with fearless faith. So that's, that's what resonates with me about Ruth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I think I've heard the story so much, but then when I picked up your book, it just gave me a fresh perspective. And that's what I appreciated. Yeah. You know, I'm a church girl, pastor's daughter. Right, so right. I heard Ruth, you know, and heard Ruth preached. I didn't heard, you know, but when I picked up your book, it was like a fresh perspective. And honestly, that very first chapter, when you start talking about the crisis that they were in, I think you mm -hmm. talked about the, the famine in the land and you talked about the collective grief that really hit home because we are in crises now. 
and there's right. a collective grief. And I want you to just talk a little bit about that collective grief that you identify between those women. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think oftentimes when we hear the story of Ruth, we just automatically jump to, you know, this dating story of Ruth and her Boaz, you know, finding your man and not realizing that, first of all, Ruth was a widow. She had already been married. Like nobody ever talks about that. I'm like, it's in the story, like start with chapter one. And so to, to know that not only was she suffering, but Naomi was also suffering. So Naomi's husband died, two sons died. And so here we are in a biblical time when women were not able to assert their own agency and they were depending upon a male relative to always be able to take care of them. That's heavy. When you lose your access to the resource, to your well-being, that is a heavy moment. And you have to stop and be present in the moment and think about what that grief was like for them, what it was like for Naomi, what it was also like for Ruth. Because Ruth, you know, a young woman losing her husband as well, she and her mother-in-law both are grieving. And we never talk about that grief. We never talk about what it meant for them to be in the midst of that loss and to not know what life was going to be like for them. And then for them to have to migrate all the way to another place. There was no transportation of Uber back then, right? How were two women traveling by themselves what did that even look like? What things did they have, their belongings? Were they making decisions on, can I carry this with me? What are we gonna do when nighttime hits? All of those things help to compound the grief that they're already in. And so that's why I focus a lot on the life of them and the things that were happening for them because I think those are the kinds of things that are real for us and that we can resonate with and think about, wait a minute, if they went through that and had to sit with that, then we can learn from those lessons and realize that the things that we are facing, somebody else has already faced those too. And God made a way for them and God can surely make a way for us too. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. So if you're listening, um, I definitely think, you know, if you lead small groups, you lead women's studies, you lead men's studies, any type of Bible study, this is a great book. It has questions at the end to really make you think about your own life and correlate to what's happening in the scripture. But I definitely highly recommend this book. And I don't highly recommend a lot of books so for, for, for churches, but I highly recommend this book because I feel like you just really bought this story alive. Like you are right. We do jump to Boaz. I'm so tired of hearing about Boaz. And so right. when I opened this, I opened it like, okay, this, this is, this is fitting for 2020, 2021. And yeah. so um, there is an acronym in here I want us to talk about, okay? Okay. Um, that I love and, and I paid attention to it because I've seen you say this phrase, this acronym on Facebook before when you autographed my book, um, it had grit in it. And so what I want to do, so it says, it takes grit to press through your situations. And so I'm yes. going to toss out the acronym and you know what the letter stands for. And I just want you to talk about it a little bit. So okay. grit, G, give it your all. 
Yes, yes. Whatever we are in the midst of, give it your all, your full capacity, bring your whole self into whatever it is that you're dealing with and just just give it your all. Don't shrink back. Don't operate out of a place of fear, but operate out of a place of I'm going to get through this and give it your all. Love it. Love it. R, realize God is with you. We feel so alone. We often feel like nobody else understands what we're going through. We feel like there are some things that because of shame or guilt or fear or hurt that we can't share with anybody else. And we feel like that we're just out here trying to navigate things by ourselves. But we've got to realize that God is always with us. God said he would never leave us nor forsake us. So we got to realize that God is right there with us, whatever it is that we're going through. So when we give it our all, give it our all and realize God is right there with you. Love it. Love it. I ignite your faith. <sighs> That's my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> when you took a breath like this is hers that's why I took a breath that one is my favorite one and the reason I say ignite your faith because as a people of faith there are times when situations disappointments failures and hurts will douse the flame of our faith we can feel so weighed down by the decisions that we have made. We can feel so weighed down by what's happening with us. And sometimes you simply have to just literally ignite your faith. Your faith is always there. And sometimes it's at a really low level, but you've got to ignite your faith. And how do you ignite your faith? You give it your all. You realize God is with you. You do devotionals. You start praying. You find the music, the worship music that resonates with you. And that is what will help you to ignite your faith. Love it. Love it. I, you know, I personally, um, when we went into the, the front end of the pandemic, when we were shut down just drastically, like that's literally what I had to do. Like I found new spiritual practices. I, I started, I, I, had, I used to meditate all the time, but I started really going back into heavy meditation as like a coping skill. And so some people will call it a coping skill. Now I would say it was igniting my faith, but yeah. I had to find ways in the middle of crises, in the middle of the pandemic to actually lean into my faith a lot more so that I could be who I'm supposed to be first connected to God, but then be able to serve the world. So, right. I like that one. And T, trust God to get you through it. Yes, we have got to trust God to get us through whatever it is that's going on. I, you know, I, I, I see people, myself included, that there are situations that feel like it just takes over us and we don't know how we're going to make it through, but we have got to trust God to get us through it. And all of that together, that's our grit. That's, that's why it takes grit to be able to, to push through and to press through these situations. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Again, everybody. Now, where can we get the book? Um, again, it's available on my website. So it's yvetteblair.com. And there's a button you can just click on there and, um, you know, and order it. And, and I'll, you know, autograph it, sign it, do the whole thing and mail it out directly to anybody. And if there's persons who want to order five books or more, if they'll just reach out to me on that website, then I'll give you a bulk rate so that you're not paying the full price if you want to do five books or more. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Now I want to transition to this piece um, that I typically have started asking all of my guests called The Well. 
the well. And it's really to help encourage, um, mostly my audience is mostly women, but men as well, um, in our spiritual practice. And, you know, tell people all the time, we all do different things to stay connected to the source. God is the true source of power, creativity. And so I love to call it the well. And so what I want to ask you is, you know, how do you ensure in all of the things that you do, um, I know you talked about your social justice and clergy ministry, sometimes can feel like different energy, depending on what angle you're coming in, you know, so I know personally that I have had to stay connected, but how do you stay connected to the well? The way that I stay connected is through music. I love listening to worship music. And I have certain songs that are downloaded on my phone. And when I wake up in the morning, I grab my phone and I just immediately go to my playlist and start listening to worship music. And once that washes over me and settles into my spirit, then I feel like that gives me the energy that I need because you're right. Just being in this pandemic is exhausting and we have to find ways to replenish ourselves. Just being black women navigating our way through everyday life can often take a toll on us and we've got to find ways to replenish ourselves. And so for me, that well is listening to worship music. I love it. I love it. So we've talked about your purpose, your book, your well. Tell everybody again, your website, um, how they can find you, and then I'll give you my last follow-up question. Okay, so my website is whyvetblair.com. That's Y-V-E-T-T-E-B-L-A-I-R.com, and you can find out um, how to get the book from there because you can actually order it directly from there, and again, for persons who want to order copies like for a small group study, if you do five or more, then reach out to me first. My email information is on there as well. And then I'll give you a discounted bulk rate on the books. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I am at PreacherGirl716. And then if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am YVet Reverend Y Blair. Awesome. So Reverend YVet, is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about you? Oh, gosh, let's see. Um, I guess the only other thing um, that I would like for the listeners to know is that I believe that God is going to do something amazing this year to to turn things around. And I'm just excited about the opportunities that I'm seeing, um, even, even in cultivating new opportunities. So I'll just say, for me, I look for ways that I can invest in somebody else and be a cultivator. And so I want to encourage other people to understand that you are a resource to somebody else, regardless to what your financial situation looks like. You are still a resource to somebody else because you've got some gift that God has deposited in you that you can be a cultivator for somebody else. I love it. I love it. Well, I thank you so much for coming and sharing your time, your book, your life with our listeners. And we look forward to just watching you soar. But I'm, I'm hoping everybody, I'm just going to plug it again, grab this book. Trust me, it, it is worth the read. And it's a great gift for those of you who like to buy gifts for other women, like I do. It's a great gift to provide somebody. And you can know that it's solid. It's, it's theologically solid. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I appreciate you.